0: This is part one of a two-part episode with Dr. Paul Tennant from the University of Nottingham about some aesthetic experiences. Enjoy. Welcome to UX Soup our short-form podcast, where you can join me, Lisa Cooper, and my colleague, Chris Schreiner, as we go beyond the buzzwords to talk about the latest user research, technology innovation, and all things impacting user experience and human-centered design of personal device and services, whether it be at home or on the go. As always, UX Soup is sponsored by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients all over the world with insights, analysis, and expertise. Welcome. So my name is Lisa Cooper, and in our episode today, our topic will be about mixed reality, its potential to contribute to the arts and education, and how understanding our holistic experience of reality can better inform the design of mixed reality. Why? So that experiencing in VR and AR can be more powerful, educational, and even uncomfortable. Today, I'll be sitting down with Dr. Paul Tennant, Assistant Professor in the Mixed Reality Lab at Nottingham University, England. Paul works with mixed reality applications primarily across creative and cultural sectors, which has led to regular collaborations with artists and museums. So we have a lot to talk about. So let's get right into it. Welcome to the show, Paul.
1: Hi Lisa. I'll make it sound like I know what I'm doing most of the time.
0: <laughs> Paul, I first became aware of your work through research that you presented at Kai. For those that don't know, Kai is a large conference for researchers in computer human interaction that's held by the Association for Computing Machinery each year. And this year, presentations were virtual. And Paul, I loved your presentation on using a method called trajectories to help design SOMA experiences. So let's unpack that for the audience. Um, how would you describe a SOMA experience?
1: So soma experience is one that takes account of both your body and your mind. And they tend to be very kind of physical. We tend to think about when we do soma design or experiences where you are sensing it with your entire body or engaging with it with your entire body. So we tend not to apply soma design to desktop applications so much mm-hmm. uh, and a bit more to do with, with feeling and moving and, and uh, kind of bodies in action turns out though that's really hard to design for
0: yeah um,
1: we all have different bodies and we all experience things in different ways and Soma Design's a, a method of considering that plurality of, of experience uh, as we design the work I was presenting at Kai was about uh, thinking about how to articulate those experiences saying you had to be there doesn't really cut it mm-hmm. uh, so we're, we're trying to explore different strategies for for describing to people what it's like to have a particular soma or somaesthetic experience.
0: So how does this help you in the design of mixed reality experiences?
1: I think it's important when designing mixed reality to think about the senses you engage with. If we're thinking about virtual reality, for example, if we think about that in terms of the senses, what are we actually doing there? Well, We're blindfolding you, first of all. So we're taking away one of your senses, and then we're replacing what you see with something else. The problem is we're not replacing your other senses. Yeah, we might give you audio, but we're probably not giving you smell, except for, you know, there are some projects that do that. But you think probably generally about senses in terms of the big five, so smell, taste, vision, audio, and touch, But actually you've got a whole bunch of other senses. Uh, You've got your sense of proprioception, which tells your body where its respective parts are in relation to each other. You've got your sense of kinesthetics, which is to do with sensing your body in motion. You've got a sense of balance. You can recognize temperature. There's a whole bunch of different ways of sensing that we don't really think about when we think about those big five. And actually they're really important. Your sense of balance in particular is incredibly important when you're dealing with things like virtual reality, right? So if I if I create an experience where I'm flying through the air, if I create an experience where I'm being moved on kind of on rails through a museum or through some beautifully designed experience, if I'm not personally moving at the same time, that is gonna make me want to throw up into a bag.
0: Uh, yes.
1: Or worse, throw up into my VR headset.
0: <laughs> so, yes. <laughs>
1: We really want to design experiences that don't feel bad. And so we have to really take account of what our senses are are feeling. And and designing with an understanding of what the body is experiencing can really help with that.
0: Now, you did work on misaligning those senses. Could you talk a bit more about that?
1: Yeah. So some colleagues of mine at the Mixed Reality Lab and I were kind of interested in the idea that actually maybe you don't always want to perfectly align your senses. There's a definition of immersion that says the more you perfectly recreate the expectation in each sense, so the more we kind of fill each sense, the better the immersion is going to be. And that's been kind of gospel for VR, particularly experienced designers, for a long time. But actually, we were kind of thinking that maybe you could muck around with it and it would be fun. So we started mucking around with this idea of, of sensory misalignment, where you deliberately present different information to different senses. And that's particularly relevant, I think, for when you're doing kinesthetic experiences. So you can't create the sensation of movement. But if you can't create the sensation of movement, what can you create and how do you make it not feel horrible? So one example is we created the system of a VR on swings, VR Playground. And in VR Playground, you sat on a swing, you wore a VR headset, and you swung back and forth as one does on a swing. But in VR, what you were experiencing was, well, a range of different things. Some of them were zooming forward. There were different rides you could choose from. Some of them had you zooming forward through a city. Some of them had you leaping from building to building like (laughs) Spider-Man. One of them had you floating gently up through a reef like a jellyfish. And the idea was that there was enough sensory information in the axes we were interested in, uh, in terms of the movement, to make you recognize that you were moving in that axis but not enough information to let you recognize how you were moving in that axis. So we were able to kind of repurpose that sense of movement to present you moving in a different way. And we put thirty thousand people through it, and nobody was sick. Wow! And we did it at festivals where people were drinking. So I, I think I think we'll take that as a win in terms of use of sensory misalignment with cyber sickness. Uh, so another thing we built, which I would love to talk about, is uh, our uh, well, it started off as a tightrope simulator. So we were doing a SOA workshop exploring balance, and we wanted to look at uh, the kind of effect that VR had on balance. And so we built this tightrope simulator where you have to walk across a tightrope in VR. And it starts off, there is a, a rope that you walk along, and it's only a couple of inches off the virtual ground. You walk across that. And then it removes the scenery uh, so that you're kind of standing over a cliff, That and that will stop a lot of people in their tracks. Yep. But that's fine. You know, you know it's a virtual cliff. You're only really walking along the floor. So then we put the room back uh, and we start to get a bit mean. We've developed a sensory misalignment system where as you move your head orthogonally away from the the tightrope, it actually tilts your viewpoint. So if I move my head, say, 30 centimeters from the center of the tightrope, my viewpoint will be tilted by 30 degrees. And What that essentially does is removes your ability to stand up, Ah, (laughs) because as you move your head in any direction, your view starts to wobble or at least to move with your head. And it is incredible just watching people put on these headsets, take a couple of steps and suddenly turn into, well, it's like watching people walking out of the pub on a Saturday (laughs) night. It's astonishing. The way we just, you can just turn off somebody's ability to control basic motor functions with a really simple sensory misalignment.
0: Wow. It's so much fun. (laughs) I I have to ask, the ethics of doing something like that?
1: Well, there's a reason there isn't a publicly visible version of it. (laughs) Yeah, we, we, we worked around it to some extent by having somebody essentially holding you. Uh, holding your hand while you were doing it. We certainly removed the fact that originally when we built this, you were walking across an actual Uh, (laughs) tightrope. Made it just a little bit harder. Um,
0: You do have a lot of fun in that lab. (laughs) We do. That's great. I know that the University of Washington, I believe, held, I think it was last year, some sort of, meeting with other players in the field, in the virtual reality and augmented reality field, about the ethics of being able to mess with people and what we can do to try and self-police in that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have a very robust uh, ethics system in the school that requires multiple peers to review anything we do. That does really help. Yeah. Uh, But within an educational context, within an appropriate context, personally, I think there's there's scope for doing these fearsome works and i don't think we should shy away from the fearsome works uh, steve Benford's uncomfortable interactions paper really digs into the ethics of doing uncomfortable stuff and talks about how important it is to actually you know address it head on when it comes to the more kind of just out there stuff like games that muck around with your body well you know i think as long as you go into it with your eyes open it's like you could make the same argument about going on a roller coaster or doing a skydive, right? As long as you go into these projects with your eyes open, knowing what you're doing, I don't have a huge problem with it. I think if you start doing it manipulatively when you don't know what's going to happen, then it becomes a bit of an issue. But if you go into it, yeah, expecting to have your abilities to walk removed, then that's fine. We built a project called The Baby Game, which we advertised as essentially. You know, when we tell people about it, it's a game that will make you move around like a baby. <laughs> so what the baby game does, right, is you wear a VR headset with a pass-through camera. You put on a VR headset and it flips your view upside down and rotates it.
0: Oh my goodness. Uh,
1: so, so basically your viewpoint is is upside down and, and, and flipped horizontally. And then all we do is ask you to just stack some baby toy blocks, you know, at least little Foam blocks. Just have to stack them into a little triangle, and it's so hard because you're like your your hand just doesn't go where you expect it to go. It's unbelievably difficult to do it, and you have to see these grown adults on their knees on the ground trying to stack some blocks in the most basic of ways and knocking them over. And it's called the baby game because when you watch babies trying to or very young children trying to do this, they haven't got particularly strong motor skills yet, right? They haven't developed the kind of proprioceptive skills that that we have as adults. Uh, or or you know, older children have. And so doing basic tasks like stacking blocks is really difficult. and they have to learn that. they're learning proprioception. So what we do is we muck up muck up your proprioception by flipping your view and you essentially have to relearn to propriocept where your hands are. You have to you have to train yourself to work differently. And of course, it's only five minutes long and everybody laughs. Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's another fun project.
0: Do people get sick doing that?
1: Not really, no, because uh, it's not. It's not moving your whole body particularly. It's really just messing with what you can see in terms of the positions of your hands. We get people to stay broadly in one place. Right. We've definitely made things that have made people feel sick, but that wasn't one of them. When we were designing the Swings Project, we went through systematically all the different types of movement remapping that we could do from the swing. And boy, did some of them make you sick.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, I know that would have made me sick. Wow. Uh, the worst
1: part, however, was standing still and having the motion. Basically, any motion you insert that's not already there. Horrible.
0: Yeah. I mean, you get to pretty much bend reality. What I'd love to see with mixed reality is trying to experience what it would be like to be certain animals, having their senses.
1: We did a little bit of that work a while back, actually. Um, So I was working with our um, life sciences department uh, and they were looking particularly at insects. And we were playing around with the way insect camouflage works. What we ultimately ended up doing was building a sort of insect identifying experience where you go into a garden and there are wasps and hoverflies, and you have to learn to identify the difference between them. We built it as a sort of child-friendly system science experience. But in our early prototypes, one of the things we were doing was experimenting with, well, what would this view look like through an insect's eye? So we built this, this crazy kind of hex grid Pixelated experience where you had to then try and and separate the difference between these different types of objects, and that was that was really fun. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm quite interested in like what it's like to have other limbs or other other bodies. I think that's an interesting an interesting activity, and VR lets you play with that space in an interesting way.
0: That side of it for me is is interesting because if people understood how the natural world functioned, then maybe we'd have a bit more empathy and respect for the natural world. That's just my own personal interest. Yeah,
1: that's a great, it's a great way to think about it. And I think VR is a wonderful opportunity to create empathy. I mean, if, if yeah. that's not what we did with Eyes Witness, then yes. we weren't doing it right. That was people. Empathy with the natural world seems like a really nice next step to think about.
0: <laughs> yeah. And same with people with disabilities. What, what would that feel like if you couldn't? Like I mean, you just talked about that that project where you where people couldn't move. What would it feel like if you took someone who couldn't move and made them feel like they could move?
1: It goes in one direction is to get people to experience what it's like to have those disabilities. So it's very easy to do things in VR like reduce the amount of vision people have yeah. and show you the different types of the different types of sight loss or to take away your hearing or to take away other senses. Taking away senses is easy. Mm-hmm. Taking away ability things is easy. Uh, creating the sense that you can actually do them I think is a bit harder. Yes. But it's definitely not out with the realms of possibility and I think the more we push on sensory misalignment in particular I think the more we might be able to create the experience of you know walking for someone that can't walk or flying for someone that can't walk because why wouldn't you fly, right? Yeah. (laughs) I once spent an entire week with my, my arm tied in my belt just to see what it would be like to only have one arm and like how to, how to interact with the world. Yeah. But I was fascinated by how many things I couldn't do and how many kind of basic actions actually require two hands and require effective manipulation with two hands. And it got me thinking a lot about accessibility. And It's been a thread that's lurked at the bottom of a lot of my research for a long time.
0: Could you do something like have people smell sound? Could you mess with the senses in that way?
1: I suppose that would be sort of synesthesia activity. Yeah. Um, so there's a condition called synesthesia where you your, your brain kind of correlates sensory perception with your other senses. So you'll hear people describe reading in color or smelling sound or a, any number of, of sensory fusions, I suppose you would call it. And so I think you could definitely play around with that. It's not something we have particularly. I could imagine some quite interesting experiences where you convert one sensation into another. I mean, it's interesting just to think about that, some of my colleagues at Mixed Reality Lab have been doing some work in converting one creative input type into another, on converting dance into pottery by use of an algorithm, remapping expression into another creative format, which is a very beautiful thing to do, Yeah, especially as somebody who neither dance nor paint nor Potterize. I don't know what the do (laughs) (laughs)
0: potterize. You must love going to work every day.
1: I do. I I I feel very privileged to work where I work uh, and to to work with the people I work with and all the projects I work on. It's 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 pretty good 14 years.
0: Yeah. That completes episode one of our two-part series on soma aesthetic experiences in mixed reality. Next week, we'll focus a bit more on fearsome experiences as well as substitutional reality. A reminder that UX Soup is presented, as always, by Stratchy Analytics. Check out our latest user-focused insights at sa-ux.com. Please also remember to subscribe, like, or review UX Soup on your favorite podcasting platform or by visiting our show page at ux-soup.com. You can also visit the show page to follow myself or Chris on LinkedIn. That's all for now. Thanks for listening.